0: Thank God for His mercy. If it weren't for that, you and I would not be here today. And that's a fact. But because of God's love, grace, and mercy, we are blessed. And becoming more blessed. I remember as a child, reading Bible stories, and the prophets, particularly of the Old Testament, really stood out to me. I like reading about people like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Some of those guys, Elijah and Elisha were two of my favorites. Because I was intrigued by reading what happened through them. You know, I... Where I was raised, that was before video games. We didn't have a TV. Didn't even have comic books. So, I I got excitement and adventure through reading about prophets. And there was a time when I thought I wanted to be one. And God sent me on a mission one time, told me what to say, what I was to do. And after I got through that, I said, thank you, Lord, forgive me for even wanting. I'll just be a pastor and a teacher. I'll let somebody else do that because then I read a little bit further and found that prophets were often killed for their prophecies. I said, I want a much safer occupation than that. But one of my favorite prophetic stories is found in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. And it has to do with the prophet Elisha and the king of Syria. The king of Syria was at war with Israel. And he would send his troops at a particular place. And the prophet Elisha would send word to the king of Israel telling him, avoid this place. And and so he would send a message out to his generals and they would avoid that place. And and the king of Syria thought, well, I've got them now. I've got them in this place. But Israel wouldn't be there. So that happened, the scripture says, more than two or three times. So finally one day the king gets a little bit upset with his personnel and he says, I want to know... Who is the spy in my camp? Which one of you is telling Israel what I'm about to do? And one man spoke up and said, There's no spy here. There's a prophet in Israel who's telling the king your every move. And he said, What I want to know? Where is he? He said, He's down in Dothan. He said, Generals, go get him. So they go to Dauphin, and they surrounded the entire area with these massive armies during the night. The next morning, the prophet's helper, assistant, he goes out, he looks around, and he sees the mountains, and the area was covered up with the armies of Syria. And he said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Now, if you and I woke up some morning and we were surrounded by a natural army, we might say the same thing. What are we going to do? you ever been there? Felt like you were surrounded by bad circumstances and you wonder, what is the next move? What are we going to do? I've been there several times. I think I'm there almost every day sometimes. But, the prophet said, Lord... Open his eyes and let him see. And God opened his eyes and he saw not only the natural army around him, he saw the mountain was full of the army of God. And he saw the fire of God as it was revealed. My point is this. When you see things and you wonder what are we going to do, You need to see beyond what you see. You need to see beyond what these eyes see. You need to hear beyond what these ears hear. You need to see in the spirit realm. When you see in the spirit realm, you forget or you just don't let it bother you all the junk that you hear on the natural plane if it contradicts what you know God's Word has said and what you see, then you say, well, I know that may be happening here, but I know somebody more powerful than that. I know somebody who'll take care of that, and he can speak a word and all this will go away. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, Paul said to the Thessalonians and to us, I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. Now he pointed out three things there that's very fundamental. He said, I pray God your whole spirit. Stop there. You do not have a spirit. You are a spirit. You say, well, I've heard that for years. Yeah, but sometimes we hear it and we don't get it. So it needs to be repeated over and over and over again until we get it. You don't have a spirit. You are a spirit that has the soul that lives in a body. All right? You are a spirit being. You are a spirit being. Now... If the individual doesn't know Jesus as Lord, his spirit, he has a spirit, and he is a spirit. A lost person is a spirit too. Alright? The Bible says God is spirit. And He created you in His image. So guess what? You're spirit. But if a person without Jesus as Lord, his spirit is spiritually blind and dead as far as God is concerned. He is separated from God. But the moment he repents and makes Jesus his Lord and Savior, that previously dead spirit is now alive with the very life of God. A person who's born again has divine life on their inside. This previously dead spirit now has the life of God. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, the Bible says he's none of his. Romans 8 9. So when you got born again, you got the life of God, the Spirit of God came in to live in you, and now that Spirit is alive, full of the life of God. Bible said, what is it, uh, 2 Corinthians five, seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us unto himself. Hallelujah. You are a brand new person. What used to be unrighteous is now righteous. What used to be dead is now alive. What used to not have spiritual sight now has spiritual sight. And that is important when you are in Elisha's servant's situation when all you can see is what the world says, when all you can see are your problems, when all you can see are your insufficiencies, when all you can see is a tomorrow that is covered up with nothing but more heartache. If that's what you see, you need to quit looking at what only these eyes see and start looking at what your spirit sees. And when you do that, you said, ha ha ha. I know this is real, but I know what the fact is. Amen. I know what the truth is. You know there's a difference between facts on a natural realm and truth that comes from God. The truth that comes from God trumps the facts in the natural realm. They do. The the truth of the word of God overcomes and supersedes the natural facts. Well, it's a fact. Well, I know it is, but I got a God who's creator. We have a God who can say to those facts, you got to line up to my word. Amen. And guess what? They have to line up to his word. But you know, an individual who's content to live on the natural realm only doesn't see that, even though he may be a believer. Let me say that again. That needs to be repeated. Even a believer who is content to live by only what he sees in the natural, he'll never comprehend all that's going on in the spirit realm. But we as believers, we want to not just be content with that. We want to live victoriously in what God has got for us. Turn with me to the gospel according to Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. Sixteen nineteen. Now, this is the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and I'm not going to get into the story that's normally preached. I want to get into some things that we can pick out of this story that tells us about the spirit realm. Several things here we're going to see. Look in 16 and verse 23. Now, here was the rich man, and here was Lazarus. And the rich man was very rich and he fared sumptuously every day, Scripture says, and Lazarus laid outside his gate hoping for some crumbs. He's starving to death. And finally it happened that the rich man died and Lazarus died and the rich man was buried and we assume they did something with Lazarus' body. And we'd think if all you can see is the natural realm, you'd say, well, that's the end of that. When you die, you're dead. That's the end of that. You know, if you know Jesus, that's not the end of that. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, that's not the end of that. You know why? Because you're a spirit. If you were just a body, when the body dies, that's it. It's over. It's done. It's out. But you are a spirit. Human beings are spirit. And you're going to live somewhere eternally. The question is, is Jesus Lord? If he is, you're going to live in the presence of God forever. If he's not Lord, are you going to live in the other place forever? Can I make it any more clear than that? All right? So let's look at this. So they both died and they buried the bodies of both of them. But the person did not cease to exist. Look in verse 23. Well, let's start in verse 22. It was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. But the rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments, talking about rich man, in Hades he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Wait a minute. I thought he died. He did. But he said he had eyes and he could see and he could recognize Lazarus, that guy that used to lay outside of his gate. And somehow or other, he recognized Abraham. We don't know how he did that, but he did. So what I learned from that is this. When you die, these eyes cease to see, but not these that are out of your spirit you can still see in the spirit realm. Now hang on to that. We'll come back to it later. Look in 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, wait, he can talk. They buried his tongue and vocal cords with the rest of his body, but he can still speak. He can still speak. Do you know what that tells me? All that we know medically, and you know, medical profession knows a lot. I I, I take that—I mean, I take that for granted that they do, and I thank God for them. All right. But if they only put those abilities connected from the brain only, this couldn't happen. Certainly, there's parts of the brain that affects your sight and your feelings and your ability to smell, taste, and touch and all of that. It does. But realizing that you're a spirit, you have those same spiritual senses that can see and hear in the realm that these senses cannot touch. Let's read on cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. He realized the position he was in. He realized it. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And beside that, there's a great gulf between us. So, If you go ahead and read the whole story, you see that the Spirit can see, the Spirit can speak, the Spirit can recognize feelings and and location, the Spirit can hear, the Spirit has concern. In 1628, he said, Lord, uh, send somebody from the dead, go tell my brothers. He was concerned about his brothers. He had that concern. But yet this body, this brain, these emotions were all dead and decaying in a Cave somewhere our grave. My point is this: you have spiritual senses that far exceed your five senses, physical senses. They run parallel but are different. The five senses are only good as long as this body is alive. In the book of James, chapter two, verse twenty-six, it says, "The body without the spirit is dead." When the spirit leaves this body, this body dies. When it leaves this body, this body's dead. But the person's not dead. The person's not dead. The person is still alive somewhere because they are a spirit. They're alive someplace, either in the presence of God or in that other place, which you don't want to go to. See, I bet everybody here this morning already knew what I'm telling you. But you need to be reminded of this so that it will help us to not get stopped when we see something in front of us that doesn't look very favorable. Because I would prophesy to you and tell you this. The days ahead, you're going to see a lot more of those things that don't look favorable. And you got to know who you know, and you got to know who you are, and whose you are, and that the one that you can't see with natural eyes is a power greater than that which you do see with the natural eyes. That's right. We need to know that. You can speak directly to God. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says, He that speaks in a tongue, a glossa, a language not learned, but given by the Spirit, does not speak to men, but to God, no one understands Him. Now look at the last phrase. Howbeit in the Spirit He speaks mysteries. The Spirit, a.k.a. Holy Spirit, a.k.a. also known as human spirit, both, and speak to God you know you can pray a prayer that your mind constructs and it could be led by the Holy Spirit or it could be limited to just what you know right or you can pray a prayer out of your spirit led by and anointed by the Holy Spirit that transcends your little peanut brain right I mean, we pray what we know, but pretty soon, it doesn't take long that that comes to an end because we have very limited knowledge about everything. Nobody knows everything about everything or everything about anything. We just know a few things about a few things. But pretty soon, you run out of knowledge. I don't know about you, but I often do that. I said, Lord, what, what do I do now? How, what do I pray? How do I pray? What do I say? You know what the scripture says? It says in the book of Romans, I believe it's chapter 8, that if you don't know how to pray as you ought, what happens? The Spirit himself makes intercession for you for groanings that you cannot utter. The Spirit can make intercession on your behalf. And one of the ways he does it is through and out of you when you're praying in your prayer language. That's why every Christian ought to have one. They're free. You don't. You don't get them at Walmart or Costco. You get them right down here. If you hadn't got one, come down this morning. and You can have one. They're for free. I'm telling you, they're free. One of the best gifts you'll ever get, beside your salvation. Hallelujah. I do. I do about ninety percent of my praying, if not more, in my prayer languages. I do. You know why? Because I find it's not limited to my brain. It's not limited to this thing up here between my ears. It comes out of your spirit. And you begin to pray in a language that God imparted that knows no human limitations. The only limitation to it is whatever God wants to limit it to. We don't limit it, He's got an abundance. I found out, once I, I, I found out I could do that, man, I, I it's like I just woke up for the first time. My prayer life took on an entirely different dimension. And I've been doing that now since I was uh, about 19 years old. Hallelujah to God. That's worth getting excited about. You can speak directly to God. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says... He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So not only can you speak directly to God in something God wants prayed, but you can also build yourself up. Jude 20 says that. Building yourself up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. A prayer directed by and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can pray and get things accomplished. Now let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want you to see a couple of things here. Look in verse 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. If people understood that, they would not say this, well, it's my body, I can do with it whatever I want. That one verse just blows that plum out of the water. It's my body, I can... No, no, if you're a believer, it's not yours, it's his. But he's given it to you as a house to live in while you're down here, you need it while you're living on this earth to get around in. But it really belongs to him. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, which has been given to you from God. You're not your own. Then he goes ahead to say, For you were bought at a price, the blood of Jesus. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Your spirit. You're a spirit person. Created in the image of God. God had a plan and purpose for putting you on the earth, and He gave you a house to live in, your body. He gave you a soul, mind, will, and emotions to get to relate to people and this world. But He gave you a spirit so that you can know God, fellowship with God, commune with God and perceive things that the body cannot know apart from it, or the the mind cannot comprehend, the emotions cannot fully express, and the will cannot commit itself to the way it needs to apart from what God put in the Spirit. I believe that there's a couple of things that are part of the Spirit. You know, the body has five basic human senses. The soul has the three basic things, mind, will, and emotions. But the Spirit, I believe, is the seat not only of the presence of the Holy Spirit, but if you're a believer, a renewed conscience, and initiative. I believe that flows out of your spirit. Now, those two last things that I mentioned, that, that's debatable in some circles, I suppose. But I just told you my perception of it. But I believe that in your spirit, you have the life of God. You have a conscience as a believer, as long as you've not defiled it and seared it with a hot arm of disobedience, that is good. And if you listen to it, you're actually listening to the regenerated human spirit and or the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I'm the youngest of eight kids, as most of you know. I could not get away with anything as a kid. I, I think my mom and dad, after eight, they pretty well figured kids out. And not only that, my older siblings would tell on me. I had three sisters that were miserable. They would all go running to mom and say, you know what he did? After I got up to be an early teenager, I told them, you're not my conscience. You're not the boss of me. (laughs) Pastor Tim mentioned that the other day, didn't he? But you know, I found out something that my parents would know things and so far as I could tell, nobody told them. Where'd they get that information? Nobody told them what I did, but they seemed to know what I did. Now, it's either because they had experienced the same thing through the other seven, or they they had a pretty sharp conscience. They had a pretty sharp intuition in their inner person. And it would kind of let them know, he's up to no good. And so they'd call me out. Where were you today? So what do you mean? I was at school today. Oh, really? Well, sure. I, I, I rode. To, you saw me. I got on the bus. I rode to school today. You didn't leave school. Well, what makes you think I would leave school? Come to find out, I had to finally fess up. Yeah, two other guys and I left school, and we went swimming in the coal mine cuts. hmm I thought you did something like that. How'd she know then? We didn't have a telephone. Nobody called and told her that. No letter came in the mail and told her that. Nobody sent an email and told her that. She just knew. I'm telling you, your spirit knows things that your brain hadn't caught up to yet. And you and I must learn to listen to the voice of the Spirit of God on the inside. Because there will be times that God will need to get some information to you that that will be the only way He can do it. That will be the only way. Back in the early days, right after my brother and I got spirit-filled, 67, I guess it was, we we met a fellow named Gerald Durstein ex-Mennonite, who was now a spirit-filled pastor. And he told about, at a full gospel businessman's fellowship meeting, actually, he would give his testimony, and he told about, in 1955, a bunch of the Mennonites got spirit-filled up in Minnesota, in Strawberry Lake, Minnesota. And uh, there was a whole settlement of, of uh, Amish and Mennonite people there. And they were meeting for prayer like three or four nights a week at, at homes. Small group. And uh, so when they were getting ready to start to pray that night, they looked around and said, Where was, where's Herman? Well, Herman's not here, and his wife isn't here, and the kids aren't here. And then they thought of somebody else that wasn't there. Well, we'll go ahead and start praying. And so they start praying. When they started praying... Brother Durstein said, the Lord spoke to me and says, he's on Route 142, or whatever the name of that road was. said, so he'll be here in about five minutes. And when I heard him tell that, I said, what, what now? I was brand new in spirit-filled life. and what? How, how do you know that? And the other, directly they prayed a little bit more. Another guy spoke up and said, they had a long driveway in from the main road to back to where there, this house was. And this guy spoke up and said, oh, I see him. He just now turned in the driveway. And he was on his face on the floor. He wasn't looking about there on the driveway. He was face down in the floor. Oh, he just turned on it. About a minute or so, car pulls up and they get out and come in. How'd they know that? They They had tuned in from their spirit, listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. You remember about seven times, if I recall correctly, Revelation chapters 2 and 3, it says, He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Seven churches in Asia Minor. The Spirit was saying some things, but probably, just like us, there were some people there that didn't have hearing ears. He that has an ears to hear, let him hear. He that has a hearing ear, let him hear. Sometimes we're so taken up with everything else we're not listening for the voice of the Spirit. We're not listening for that voice on the inside. Remember the prophet? I believe it was Elijah. Lightning, thunder, earthquake and the word will say God wasn't in it. But he was inside the cave and then after all that external, there came a still small voice, King James says. A voice that was not thundering through mountains, echoing through the valleys, but a voice that he heard in his spirit. And it told him what to do. That is available to you and me. A lot of those stories that I just read to you were in the Old Testament. Things where they had to have a lot of the externals to know God, to hear God and to obey God because the average person didn't have God living internally in them. That is a benefit of the new covenant. Living in you is a benefit of the new covenant. So we do not have to wait for the mountains to move to know God has spoken. We can hear Him on the inside and know God has spoken. Does that mean God doesn't move mountains with his voice? Oh, no, no, no. He can still do that. He's going to shake the whole heavens and earth one of these days. He can still do that. But my point is this. Why should we have to see that? Why not take use of what we already have on the inside of us 24-7? And that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. I could give you examples when I have obeyed God and I could give you an equal amount if not more, when I didn't. You know, I would hear something and I would think, that don't make any sense. You know what I would do when I would do that? I was judging internal revelation but my little brain up here. And that internal revelation, this little brain didn't get it. It didn't get it. And so I was confused. That don't make sense to me why but what i have found out is this if i will just obey the internal revelation when god's whatever it is god's doing when he does it then i finally get it you know one of the things that the new testament says about the disciples when jesus would teach things it would say they didn't understand But after Jesus went to the cross, was buried and rose again and ascended, the Bible will say in a couple of places, then they understood what he said. Right? Because before they didn't have a frame of reference to put that truth that he was teaching them in. They couldn't couldn't, uh, understand it. But once they saw it come to pass, oh, that's what he meant. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I see it now. That happens to all of us from time to time. We need to learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside. I believe this. I believe God is speaking almost all the time. He has not lost his voice. But perhaps we don't have a hearing ear or an ear, this ear, that is hearing because we're so involved with other things. So that tells me priorities. Priorities. That tells me that we need to prioritize. Lord, what are you saying? As the prophet Samuel said to the Lord as a child, God was speaking to him and we wanted him to take care of uh, Eli's problems and his problem sons that he had. And he would speak to him, and he would get up out of bed and ran to the prophet and said, Did you call me? And he said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. This happened about three times. And finally, he tells him, Eli tells Samuel, he said, Next time that happens, you just say, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. So it not long, God spoke again. And he said, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. And God began to give him a message for him to deliver. And how he was to go anoint this guy, and how he was to go do that, and do the other several things were involved in that. You and I need to pray that prayer. Lord, speak. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. I've had situation after situation where I would just hear a voice, not with these ears, but with these ears. An impression. I'll use that word to describe it. An impression. Maybe a strong impression. And it would be something that I had not thought about before it would be not be something I had already conjured up in my brain. It would be an impression that I would know I should say or do that. Simple. And I've had this to happen probably half a dozen times, if not more, being ready to turn onto a street and have the impression, "Don't do that." There's an accident there, or that street's blocked, or you need to go the other way around. And you know what I found out? If I obeyed that impression, every time it would be correct, 100%. If I didn't obey that impression, there'd be a wreck down there, there'd be the road block. there'd be a, a road truck across the road, or something would hinder my pathway. And I don't like my pathway to be hindered. <laughs> so I found out it's a whole lot better if I just obey the Lord when I get that impression. Right? I've also discovered this. that the Word of the Lord can come to you through that same avenue. Lots of times you may have seen me get up here and call out something. Most of the time, I don't feel anything. It's not like... The trumpets are blowing and I'm hearing... No. It's just an impression that I know that I know. And it's not because anybody whispered anything in my ears. It's that's just, that's just what I got. And if I'll just step out and obey that, almost always there'll be somebody that has that need. You know why? Because God knows who has a need. God knows what those needs are. He knows that if He gives a word to somebody about a particular thing, that means He wants to help that person and deal and take care of that situation. So all we have to do Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You do have to obey. Say, well, that's fearful. What if I'm wrong? Well, join the crowd. We've all been wrong before. You know what you do if you're wrong? You say, God, forgive me. Give me another chance. Jump up and go for it. Right. Well, well, I don't want to be wrong. That's embarrassing. Yeah, but it's more blessed to obey. If you're wrong, you may be embarrassed, but you'll get over it. Get up. Do it again. Go for it. And you'll find out that God will bless that.